This is Michael Graham live from CPAC with the Weekly Standard Podcast. We managed to track down Steve Hayes, who's not here in Washington. He was actually in Detroit Thursday night for the latest Republican debate. Steve Hayes, thanks for joining us. And how did things work out in the Motor City? So I actually wasn't in the room. I was nearby watching ah, okay. television. So I can't give you the in-the-room flavor. I can tell you, though, uh, certainly beforehand and afterwards, people were uh, were pretty fired up. I mean, there was definitely a, a buzz about the actual debate that that it was going to be consequential, that it was going to matter, and that it was happening at a time where you know it, it could have some impact on the race. Uh, but is this going to have an impact on the race? That's the question people are asking. Was there a moment last night that you think will penetrate, or did everything get covered up by Trump's manhood moment? Yeah, I mean, certainly that's what everybody's been playing, unfortunately, coming out of the debate. I thought there were actually some very interesting and, and potentially meaningful exchanges on, on policy and on questions about uh, the various candidates' backgrounds. But you're right. I mean, that's basically what's what's been dominating all of the talk uh, since the debate, unfortunately. Well, how can it not, though? I mean, that's the problem is when you have a guy in the race who's playing reality TV, which always gets much better ratings than political TV. You know, you do the Sunday show, Steve. You know that far more people watch a single edition of, uh, you know, Wives with Knives or whatever the reality TV show is than watch you talking about politics. No, it's true. And look, I mean, I don't I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm certainly I don't think of myself as a as a, a terrible prude, but uh, and, and I'm for a pretty free and open discussion. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of times our, it, it is the case that our, our political conversation doesn't have to just happen in stuffy presidential debates or in, you know, the halls of think tanks or what have you it can happen on late night TV. It can happen elsewhere. But there ought to be some lines it seems to me, uh, about what you should and shouldn't say. And I'm, by the way, I'm not being only critical of Donald Trump here. I mean, I think what he said last night, that discussion was unfortunate. But I also think the same thing of Mark Rubio. I wouldn't have made the, the joke. I mean, I think there are right. other ways to take shots at, at Donald Trump that are uh, you know, more effective and funnier and more appropriate. Uh, we're talking to Steve Hayes with the Weekly Standard. You have a terrific new piece in the upcoming issue of the Standard uh, about your take on Donald Trump. And you talk about your family in it. That's the part that really worked for me. Do you mind us sharing everybody with the conclusion you've come to? Yeah, it, 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 was, it was a hard piece to write. I, not because I, I haven't known for a long time that I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump. I've known that for a long time. Um, but I, I don't typically write stuff that's as personal as this piece was. But I thought it was relevant. I mean, I've had these conversations now. These are the conversations that have been taking place in living rooms across the country for a lot of conservatives, a lot of Republicans. Would you support Donald Trump? And, you know, I have many, many philosophical problems with him, even if I can appreciate the, the certain parts of the voice that, that he's bringing to the debate. The fact that he's diagnosed the problem in, in ways that are consistent with the way that I'm diagnosing a lot of the problems doesn't mean that I think he's the solution. And one of the many reasons that I think he's not the solution is because I, I do think it would be hard for me to explain to my kids why I supported somebody who's done some of the things that he's done and who said some of the things that he said. And I have in mind here, of course, mocking Carly Fiorina's face, uh, making fun of John McCain for having been captured as a prisoner of war, uh, suggesting that Megyn Kelly uh, was right. menstruating when she asked tough questions, and especially for me personally, um, you know, his mocking of Serge Kovalevsky, the New York Times uh, reporter with uh, with a handicap, was is just just too far, too far. And I won't support somebody like that. 
So it's a character issue for you. The character of Donald Trump doesn't pass the test. Yeah, that's that's part of the argument here, I think. I mean, I just think, you know, I want to I, I don't I certainly don't think of myself as perfect. I'm a deeply flawed human being and I'm well aware of my flaws and I don't hold myself out to be somebody, uh, you know, who, whose character should be emulated. On the other hand, you know, as we were saying with the tone and the tenor of the debate, you know, there are lines, it seems to me, and mocking a, a prisoner of war uh, who is permanently handicapped because of his having been captured and who stayed stayed in prison longer because he refused to voluntarily give up information to, to mock somebody like that and to, to do so without having any knowledge or understanding or even having made an attempt to understand what happened, it seems right. to me is, is irresponsible and, and does suggest poor character. Uh, see, for me, it's the, uh, the, the unseriousness of Donald Trump. He clearly isn't serious about any of this stuff because he hasn't done his homework. And the example I would use is Carly Fiorina. Uh, like her or not, Carly Fiorina took running for president very seriously. Every, did you notice, uh, Steve, every question she got, she had a facts-related yes. answer. Now, you may have not liked the answer. You may think she's got it wrong. You may think she's just the wrong person to be president. I'm cool with all that. But she's, she acted like, hey, this is kind of an important thing to do. Donald Trump acts yes. like he just got up on a Thursday and said, what do you guys want to do this weekend? You want to go to the lake or you want to go run for president? And so he jumps in the pick-em-up truck and says, woo-hoo, we run for president. And that's it. No, I, I agree with you entirely. I mean, it is one of the things that really bothers me or concerns me, I guess, if he were to be the Republican nominee and were, were to be the president is he hasn't shown any real uh, interest in issues that are being discussed and the problems. Um, it does all seem like a game to him. And I mean, the, the the evidence of that, I mean, there are many pieces of evidence that support that point. But one of them was the question about the triad. I mean, I wouldn't expect people to know what the nuclear triad is. But if you go right. and you're asked that question in a radio interview, which he was, and you don't know the answer, I mean, I would think that you would then go and, and study up and, and learn it if you're running for president of the United States. And yet he, he chose not to do that and was later asked about it in a debate and quite plainly had no idea what he was talking about. Uh, you know, it's the same with the, the, the Quds force in Iran versus the Kurds. It's the same with Hamas versus Hezbollah. It's just this basic lack of, of knowledge and, and lack of interest. I mean, last I night, last night, the, uh, last night, Fox presented him with... You say you're going to save $300 billion negotiating deals on Medicare-covered drugs. Medicare doesn't buy a third of that many drugs a year. So you're going to, you're going to negotiate the drug companies into paying us $200 million, billion a year for the privilege of buying drugs. It was just, the math was crazy, and he just stood there. And, no, yeah, it was, just, it was right. silly. I mean, it's, it just, yeah, it, re, it revealed that he has absolutely no idea. No idea. He's just making this stuff up. In the context of, of budget deficit. He's, he's absolutely making this stuff up. And, and look, you know, he, he was pushed on that and shown the numbers. And he didn't try to push back on the numbers and say, well, I think your budget assumptions are wrong. I think we're going to have this kind of growth, or I think here are the places for savings. He, he pivoted to a waste, fraud, and abuse argument, which right. uh, however much waste, fraud, and abuse argument is, that's not the solution to our debt problem. Mm -hmm. And then he went and talked about polls for a minute. I mean, sure. it's just not serious. It's just not serious. And look, you don't need to be a walk. You know, a lot of the Trump right. supporters will say he's a good leader. You know, he, he can get, He'll get smart people to do this work for him. He doesn't need to know all this. And look, I buy that to a certain extent. But you have to have some interest. You have to have some basic command of 
the nature of these problems. You know, the other the other thing, I mean, this is related, is is on entitlements. I, mean, I view entitlements as one of the most pressing problems in the country today. I think if we don't reform entitlements, we'll have a debt crisis within 10 or 12 years. And Donald Trump has is running for president saying, absolutely under no circumstances will I reform entitlements or cut entitlements. That's not going to work. Like Somebody's going to have to do something. And if you're running for president and it's not going to be you, that leads to serious problems. His only uh, focus is the people who like me keep liking me. And then he thinks that's a path forward to the presidency. I have one last question for you. The Is it a worse outcome? And I was asked this yesterday, and I, I, I kind of stumbled on it because I never thought about it. Worse outcome for the ideas Republicans tend to believe in. Donald Trump becomes the nominee and loses, or Donald Trump becomes the nominee and wins? Yeah, I think probably becomes the nominee and and wins in that he would then become the face for for sort of popular consumption of yep. the Republican Party and and conservative ideas. Um, you know, I mean, I I recoil in horror at the prospect of Hillary Clinton as president. And you know, when I say that I'm not going to support Donald Trump, it's not because I'm going to go support Hillary Clinton. Um, but but I think. Trump, a Trump nomination and a Trump presidency would do lasting damage to the conservative movement. And it, look, it's quite clear that conservatives have a lot of work to do. I mean, you know, the ideas, I think that the bases for modern conservatism are solid. The things that the ideas that made America great are, you know, not only defensible, but must be defended. And in that sense, those things are never changing. But it's very clear that, that the modern conservatism, particularly as it's been, I think, corrupted and distorted by the actual establishment in Washington, uh, you know, that people need to be reassured about these ideas and they need to be explained in, in different ways. And if Donald Trump does nothing else, he certainly made that uh, more apparent than it was to a lot of the people who should have realized it earlier. I really appreciate your time, Steve Hayes. Thanks so much for joining us.